we welcome you, of course, to our morning worship service. Uh, I trust that will be a blessing to you uh, this morning as we look uh, once again uh, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> We've been considering uh, God's plan of salvation God's plan of redemption in the Lamb promised. We learned about this precious promise last Sunday in the Lamb prepared. This morning we're going to consider the third, the third installment in this our Christmas series for this year. Behold the Lamb of God. And the title of our message this morning is The Lamb Provided. The Lamb Provided. Beloved, when Adam and Eve fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, God sacrificed an animal and used their skins to clothe, to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. We now know, of course, that this is a picture, a type of substitutionary sacrifice uh, for the redemption of man by Jesus Christ. That picture of an animal dying for Adam and Eve uh, at that very early in part of man's history Already the Lord or God Almighty is showing man how he will be redeemed from the fall of sin. In fact, every animal act sacrifice since then, every rite and ritual of the Levitical sacrifice and priesthood, and indeed offerings, points to the coming, points to the coming of the Savior, the Savior of sinners, the Lamb of God. We are reminded of Abraham when God asked him to offer and sacrifice his own son Isaac at Mount Moriah. We find that, of course, in Genesis 22. And as they made their way, the Bible says that Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Open your Bibles if you haven't done it. Luke chapter 2. Would you stand with me please if you can. And like I said the title of our message is the Lamb provided. Beginning here in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Father, thank you once again for the privilege to preach your word, the power of it unto salvation, and indeed the power that it's done and is doing and will do into the lives of your people. Once again, I pray for the strength in the inner man. As I stand behind this pulpit right at this very moment, I pray, dear God, that you will speak through me. Your will and way be accomplished first in this person that's speaking, and then to those that are listening. Father, that we will not, all of us, not just be hearers, but doers of your word today. I pray once again, Lord, that you will be center of our thoughts even now. And Lord, I pray that you'd meet with us, the Holy Spirit teaching us your truth. And I pray, Father, that everything that will be said and done will be pleasing before you, acceptable before you, our God, and will be a blessing to each and every one of us here today. We give you the praise, indeed the worship, that you deserve. For you are indeed the Almighty, we ask it in Jesus' name, your Son. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Last Sunday, we uh, looked at briefly the prepared place where the Lord Jesus was born. The prophet Micah uh, proclaimed it to be at Bethlehem. This morning, I'd like us to see more of this prepared place. Notice how, firstly, it was all planned by God himself. It was all planned by God himself. Verse 4 of our text tells us that Joseph and Mary at the time were living at Nazareth. For them to travel to Bethlehem, uh, it would mean that they will travel south. Uh, let me put it uh, in perspective for us. Uh, Brother Ricardo and his family uh, actually uh, live the farthest amongst uh, all of us. They live in Druin, some 88 kilometers away from uh, base water. It takes them on a Sunday without the traffic close to an hour uh, to, to be here via the freeway, mind you, uh, and, and uh, that's by car. Now, Bethlehem is more than 88 kilometers from Nazareth. It's 113 or so kilometers away uh, from Nazareth. That's like traveling from here in Basewater to San Remo at Phillip Island. Now, if you walk there, Google tells me, that it will take you almost a day if you don't stop walking. And using uh, the Western Port Highway, which is relatively flat. Now we learn from last Sunday that when the angel told Mary that she will conceive the Lord Jesus in her womb, it was the sixth month, sixth month of the pregnancy of her cousin Elizabeth in Luke one twenty six. Now here in our text, chapter 2, verse 6, now while they were there, that means in Bethlehem, the days were accomplished. That simply means uh, that completed, that she would deliver or delivered the baby Jesus. Now beloved, it took Joseph and Mary uh, some time to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Scholars tell us that it would have taken them four to five days to even a week, uh, considering Mary being pregnant at this time. But the prepared and the planned place where the Lord Jesus was to be born what is to be fulfilled no matter what. Now, uh, this, uh, this decree by Caesar Augustus, as we read, uh, by the way, he is an unbeliever, he was an unbeliever who was used by God to accomplish his plans and purposes. Now, that shouldn't be a surprise to us. God, in his sovereignty, can use anyone, even a donkey or a stone, to accomplish his purposes. And here we find that uh, it may not mean uh, much to us, but it shows us that the Caesar may have been the earthly ruler of his time, but God was, is, and always will be the eternal ruler of this universe. Uh, overruling anything and everything that he decides to. God planned and worked all the events so that Jesus will be born where he told the prophets where he would be born. Here's a thought for you and me. If God can rule and overrule anything, can he not take care of us? 
our needs, our issues, and even the desires, the wishes of our hearts, according to his will, of course. Remember, as we learned last Sunday, he is the sovereign God and nothing is impossible to him. And remember, everything that God does in our life, in the past, in the present, and indeed in the future, all fits into his sovereign plan. The lamb provided was born in a planned place. Secondly, notice how God chose the lamb provided to be born in a poor place. In a poor place. Verse 7 of our text. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in, a swaddling, in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for uh, them in the inn. Born in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's an animal fetro, and this is a, a representation of it. it they, they, they come in different types. Uh, some are made out of stone, and some are made out of wood, as you can see here. But he was born in a manger, an animal feed throw. Wow. The Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, uh, the king of kings, was born in a place with the poor. He chose to enter this fallen world of sin, not in a palace fit for a king, to live, not to live in a life of luxury. No. He chose to be born in a place of poverty. Indeed, he humbled himself and took the form of a servant, Philippians 2 tells us. In fact, Jesus tells those, those of us who will follow him, listen, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have not where to lay his head. Are you not thankful for your two or three, four-story houses that you have? And even to the very end, even him didn't even have his own burial place. He died and was buried in a borrowed tomb. The Lord, who had everything at his disposal, chose to be born and lived in poverty. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became poor. That we, through his poverty might be rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. Oh, the grace of God to man. The Lord who had everything chose to be poor so that you and I could be rich. The planned place, the poor place. And thirdly, notice the picture of that place. Still here in verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Back in Bible times, mothers, mothers wrapped their infants in strips of cloth to provide protection and also to strengthen the, the, the limbs of the child. 
Now, as those strips of cloth were used to wrap a newborn, they were also the same kind of strips of cloth that is used to wrap the dead and prepare them for burial. You see, my dear ones, even in the birth of the baby Jesus, there he was already manifesting the picture of his death, the sacrifice that he is to be to save his people from their sins. Can you see that what the Lord promised he prepared and now he provided? There are no accidents with God. There are no coincidences in God. As I often say, there is no oops with God. Everything that he does, everything that happened and is happening and will happen in the days coming is according to his sovereign plan. Whatever you're dealing with right now and wherever you are at your life, as a child of God, it didn't come as an accident. Welcome it, beloved. Stand strong through it. Take care of it, not in your own care, but in the care of God Almighty. He knows what is going through you. The issues that you have that is insurmountable, so to speak. It seems that you cannot see anymore. Where your back is against the wall. And everything is caving in. And the only option is to look up. And many times you and I have been through those times. That the only way to look is up. That is the time that you will feel and experience the sovereignty of your God. And he will take care of you. And what you see as difficulties. And what you see as... Uh, uh, Impossible things take comfort. Nothing is impossible with God. And so what other picture can we see out of this place? Well, we read that Mary laid the baby Jesus in a manger, in a fetal, like I said, a place where animals would go to be fed and live. Again, isn't this a picture of Jesus being the bread of life? The living water. A picture of him that if anyone would come and eat of his bread and drink of his cup, they will live. They will be made full and thirst no more. That is the promise of the feed throw. That is the promise of the manger. And like I said, even then, when he was born in that quiet place in Bethlehem, if we now look to the scriptures, we see how he is showing his redemption of man. What about his birthplace called Bethlehem? Did you know that Bethlehem means the house of bread? The psalmist was right after all. Psalm 107 verses 8 and 9. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and listen, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. 
In John chapter 6 verse 35. And Jesus said unto them. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. 1 John chapter 5 verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Psalm 34 verse 8. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. My friend, can I ask you this morning. Have you tasted have you seen the goodness of the Lord? Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior? What does Christmas mean to you? Perhaps you have been celebrating it for all the wrong reasons. Again I say, he, the Lord Jesus, is the very reason for the season. We say it these days as if it's just a byword, a slogan. It is the truth, beloved. There is no Christmas without Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray that you would consider yourself and where you stand before the Christ of Christmas. We've considered the place. Second, secondly, let us consider the people God used to provide the Lamb, which taketh away the sins of the world. Verse 8, back in our text, And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You see, in our modern, sophisticated, technological age and, the, and way of livestock farming today, many of us would not be familiar with the shepherds of Bible times. These were men whose occupation was to watch over the flock of sheep. The work was dirty and hard. They were away from home from extended periods of time. Uh, because they have to find good pasture, good places for the flocks to feed. Now, because of what we know of the shepherd David and the great shepherd of the sheep in the Lord Jesus Christ, our understanding of shepherds in Bible times sometimes may be warped and inaccurate. You see, unlike David and unlike the Lord, shepherds were often crude, rough, and vile men simply because of their occupation. Dealing with dirty, smelly sheep, their manure, their blood from cuts and scrapes, and the insects that buzzed around them. Shepherds were never ever clean enough to be presentable, let alone worship with God's people in the temple. Speaking of the temple, because of what the demands of their work, they are not always able to attend and avail of the uh, cleansing and worship in the temple. Consequently, uh, they were considered not only as unclean, but as the society of their day would label them as what we call low lives in our lingo today. Shepherds was never a popular occupation in Bible times. It was these men, however, these low lives. These were the men that heard the birth of Christ first. It was these men who received the message of peace from the angel of the Lord. And it was these 
whose society, whom society of their day, uh, like I said, labeled as no-gooders. These were the very men who, ironically, tended the lambs that were used in the temple sacrifices. It could be said that without these low lives, there wouldn't be available lambs that will be sacrificed at the temple. It was these men who first received the message of peace from the angel of the Lord. Can I say to you this morning, men, women, and society in general may look down upon you. Uh, they, they may uh, look not worthy of you because of who you are. Perhaps the color of your skin. Perhaps the way you say things. Because of your accent maybe. Or because of what you've done in the past. People in our society today put judgment on people based on what they see. And yet how many times have we been wrong about the people that we judge? But beloved... Be encouraged, for there is a God in heaven who loves you in spite of everything that you have done in the past. There is a God in heaven who desires to save you, to redeem you, if you will but come to Jesus in faith. I'm certainly glad today as I stand before you. That the Lord did not wait to get my act together before he would save me. He did not hold my past against me. And indeed while I, while you, while we all, yet sinners. The Bible says Christ died for us already. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Shepherds, their occupation. Notice now their obedience, verse 15 and 16. And it came to pass, uh, their occupation. Notice now their obedience here in verse 15. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the Lord hath made known unto them. As soon as they heard what the angels told them, they went to Bethlehem. Notice verse 16. They came in haste. They came in haste. Uh, unlike the scribes in Herod's temple, these shepherds, these that were outcast of their society, these that were labeled as low lives, unclean they were called, unlike the supposedly clean religious elite in the scribes and Pharisees who couldn't be bothered, who couldn't be bothered to see the baby Jesus. No, beloved, these shepherds, they went and they went in haste. They came and found what, or better yet, who they are looking for. And they found the baby Jesus. Once again, can I say to you, and those of you that are watching me right now and even hearing me, I don't know, maybe today, tomorrow, the day is coming. When a person comes to Jesus, they will find him. 
the God that the prophet Jeremiah served who said, And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search me with all your heart. It's the same God, beloved, who said, Seek and ye shall find. And it's also the same God that says, And him that cometh unto me, I will never or in no wise cast out. My friend, I don't know what you have done in the past. I don't even know, nor do I care how low you have fallen from this life. No. Because I know that there is the Savior Christ. That whatever you did, Whatever you have done, if you will come to him in faith, he will forgive you as he has forgiven me and many millions of people in the world. The question is, are you willing to come to him and seek his forgiveness and indeed be provided the eternal life? That's a decision that you have to make yourself. I can encourage you. I can pray for you. I can tell you every verse in the Bible about that. But you have to make that decision yourself. Are you willing to come to the Savior and be saved from your sin? Shepherds, their occupation, their obedience, notice now their oration, their declaration, if you like. Here in verse 17 we read, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that they had heard it wondered, all that they that heard it wondered, and those things which were told them by the shepherds. All that heard them wondered. What that essentially means is they marveled. They marveled at what they said and who is saying them. It doesn't happen every day, beloved, that a multitude of angels would appear before the shepherds. Uh, it doesn't normally happen that a baby is born and placed in a manger. Uh, it certainly is not common for shepherds to be saying things about spiritual matters. That's for the priests and that's for the rabbis, not the lowly shepherds. But you see, that is what Jesus and his gospel does to anyone who receives it. Once you heard and once you realize the truth about him and indeed his word, you will not be able to contain yourself you cannot keep that good news that you have found. That truth that God can save you. And you don't have to do anything for it. I grew up in a place and in a home where to be in favor with God and I have to do things. And I tell you, every waking moment of my life, even as a young man, has always got that desire, Lord, let me be good today that I can do things for you. And by the third hour of the day, I've already broken what I've promised him to do. Oh, beloved, him and him alone can forgive you this Christmas time. 
we have a message to share. A message to share. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. But my question to you is, are you sharing that message? Or are you keeping it? Like the shepherds tell people about the Christ in Christmas. And if you're not sharing, then why not? Why? When we know that what that, that is the reason when men would go to all eternity with Christ. Why would we keep it? Over the course of the weekend, that's our desire. We prepared. We had some hymns. We have some little backdrops. We got mistakes. Uh, we're never professional actors or anything. But there is one desire in our hearts. To share the message of Christ the Lord. And I pray. We will never know. But I pray that over the last weekend and even today. As I'm on the airwaves right now for all to hear. That the message of the gospel this Christmas times be heard. Be heard. Be proclaimed. If you're not sharing that message, I ask you, why not? It's the most precious message that you could ever tell someone. The place, the people, and thirdly, as we finish, the praise. The praise. There are two kinds of praise I want us to learn here. Heavenly and humanly. Back to verse 13 of our text here. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Here we see there was heavenly praise in the Lamb provided. Multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Here we see the Lamb promised, the Lamb prepared is finally here. The shepherds and by application us, we were told that the Redeemer from heaven has finally entered the earth. The Savior is born. The Lamb that was promised way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 is now provided veiled in human flesh. The Messiah. The Messiah that they were waiting for is here. Romans chapter 5, as by one man, excuse me. As by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. As by the offense of one judgment, came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. It continued on. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, with a capital O, shall many be made righteous. What a wonderful verse. Indeed, brother, amen. The wait is over. 
Salvation is at hand. And just God, as He promised, it would. And so there was heavenly praise. With the angels saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace. Oh, how we need it today. Aren't you sick and tired of hearing of conflicts? Aren't you sick and tired of having conflicts even in your own homes, in our own homes? Aren't you sick and tired of quarrels everywhere? I wore my Israel tie. I bought this in Israel when I was there. This morning I was pondering on what to put on. Somehow, I wanted to pull up this little Israel tie. I don't even remember where I bought it, in some market somewhere. Boy, we must pray for the peace in Israel. The trouble is, Israel as a nation is doing everything that they can in their own power and strength to have peace. They don't realize that the one who is able to give them eternal peace, they reject Oh, listen to me, you Gentiles, all of us Gentiles. Do not follow the example of God's people, Israel. Let us not reject the one who is peace. Rather, do we accept the one who is the provider of peace. And he is indeed the man of peace. Oh, beloved, the angels did not sing about Santa Claus is coming to town. No. They did not sing Frosty the Snowman with a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. No. And they certainly did not praise God and certainly Mary did not smile at the little drummer boy. No. What the heavenly praise was and always should be about glory to God in the highest. There was heavenly praise and there was also human praise here in verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The shepherds returned presumably back to tending their flock. But notice, notice as they returned on their way they glorified, they Praised God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Notice the angels praised God for goodwill toward men in general. But notice the shepherds as they returned, uh, they took it, they praised God for them, themselves, personal. You see, I believe there is a point and a difference to be made here. Many a people celebrate Christmas in their own ways. Truth be told, the Christmas season and the Christmas story has been corrupted. Uh, but in spite of all of that, that this time of the year, for the most part, brings joy to so many. Even us, an unbeliever, have always enjoyed Christmas time. I still do. But I confess to you, my enjoyment of the season then 
was pretty much about tradition and the benefits that Christmas brings in the gifts, in the food, in the family, in the time of work, etc. But now as a believer, I can indeed praise the God of the highest as I now understand, you see. I now understand what and why there is Christmas. It is no longer just a story of some time ago. Uh, it is now personal of what he has done for me. Not just a story and tradition. He, the Lord Jesus, had become and is my Savior today. Is he your Savior? Is he your salvation? This Christmas time, is it still a tradition to you? The shepherds came and went from Bethlehem, changed men. They have seen the Lord. And as a consequence, their lives were changed to glorify and praise God. Folks, that is what coming and believing Jesus in faith unto salvation does to you. It'll change you. In more ways than you have ever or will ever realize. The change in you is from within. What you were and who you were is changed. For indeed the promise of the Bible, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Praise God, all things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. That is what salvation does to you. He will give you joy unspeakable. First Peter chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. Whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, the Bible says, receiving the end of your faith, and here it is, even the salvation of your soul. As he saved you and sanctifies you, that simply means conforming you, making you, changing you into the image of his son to be more like Jesus Christ, not as in deity, but in his character, in the way he thinks, in the way he sees things, in the way he loves unconditionally. That all happens to the life of a believer uh, Slowly, but surely, until the day that you will return to dust from whom, from where you came. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Has he taken yours? Have you given your sins to him? 
and ask for forgiveness. Pardon for your sin. Have you? Would you? Be like the shepherds. Come and see that the Lord is good. Christian, I know you have already come to Jesus for the salvation of your souls. The year is about to end. And in faith, we trust that there's a new one coming. How was this year for you? I'm not talking how much money you made. I'm not talking how many purchases you have. How is it to you this year? What have you done for your Savior Christ this year? I, I don't want to use our brother John Darling and our brother Eric just to guilt trip you or manipulate you in any way. But it's never a joy to a pastor to lose any congregant, whether they walk away or whether they go home in glory. A genuine pastor always feels it. He may not show it. But over the past weeks, and as the year is ending, and the prospect of the new, I'm asking myself, I'm desiring and praying for us as Calvary Baptist Church, Lord, what would you have us do in the new year? I don't even know whether we have a guarantee of 2024. I love you, Calvary Baptist Church, my dear ones. Take stock. Take stock. You are saved. I'll see you in glory. That's for sure. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But as your pastor, what have you done for the Savior? You have come as far as trusting him for your salvation. Would you also come and serve him with all of your heart? May that be our desire, to come to Jesus. This time not for salvation, but for service and commitment to him. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Our Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this moment that we have been exposed yet again uh, to your word. And I pray, Lord, that your will and way be accomplished in us. And as uh, our hearts are bowed, our eyes closed, as we are pondering on things, may we take a moment, just a moment of silence, to just consider our ways before you. Pray, dear God, that as your people, indeed, that we would recommit our lives in the service of you. Help us not to be sidetracked in building treasures here on earth, but rather building treasures in heaven. Help us to share the message that Christ is the Lord and the Savior of men.
And then for those, Father, who have not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I don't know what's holding them back. Hmm. But whatever it is, dear God, I pray that you will continue to speak through them. And that perhaps they would come to the point in their lives that surrender their lives in you. Believing you in full faith. And accept the gift of salvation. Thank you for the unspeakable gift, the Christ of Christmas. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.